Hey there, Jets fans, and welcome back to episode four of the Jet-Centric Podcast. My name is AJ. I'm one of your rotating cast of hosts of the podcast. Uh, as mentioned, this is episode four, so please go back and check out episode one, two, and three. Some great guests, some great content, and uh, stuff I think you'll enjoy if you haven't already. Um, also, go check out jetcenter.ca, spelled the Canadian way, R-E. Um, Roddy set up a blog there. He's got some contributors writing some good articles about the, the Jets, including today... Uh, the signing of Adam Lowry. So there's already an article up there about that. So check that out too. Um, some good interviews coming up in the future. Uh, Mac, Brian, Roddy, Alan, Daniel all have some stuff in the works that should be out for you guys soon. Um, also, if you want to contact us, jensepdrink uh, at gmail.com. Sorry, I have a bit of a cold. Um, also, you can find us find us at Jetcentric on Twitter. Also on the Anchor app, if you look up Jetcentric, you can leave us a voice message and we may or may not use it in the show. Hopefully more of you start using that. Um, if you want to know where to listen to us, if you don't know where you're listening to us already, um, we are finally on the iTunes or slash Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Google Play slash Google Podcasts, um, also Stitcher, Breaker, Overcast, Radio Public, and the aforementioned Anchor app. So anyhow, those are the places you can check us out, some of the content that's coming up. Go check out the old stuff, uh, the written word. You can check that out too. Anyhow, this episode, uh, just to let you know, I know it's close to uh, when episode three was released, but uh, we got some good stuff on the horizon, so I don't want a backlog of, uh, of content building up. So I just figured I'd put this out. It's two interviews. First one is uh, myself. I'm interviewing Joe Clark and Travis Rabinyak, um, formerly of the Jetstream podcast. To some of you, that may be meaningful information, and we'll really enjoy that. And those of you who don't know who they are, it's probably worth a listen to just kind of even know the history of this podcast. Um, great guys, had a lot of fun doing that interview. Came together, it took a little while to organize it, but then boom, all of a sudden it came together quickly, as well as the second part of the show, which is an interview with Harrison. Harrison is a contributor for Arctic Ice Hockey. Um, he is from Baltimore. He recalls his story. Uh, his time coming to Winnipeg during the playoffs, uh, during the Nashville series. And so we talk about that, as well as we spend way too much talk, uh, time talking about jerseys. Um, and uh, Brian, thanks for the edit in the middle, where my Wi-Fi kicked out and uh, I couldn't get a hold of Harrison. So thanks for uh, adding a little Simpsons reference in there. A lot of fun. Hopefully you guys enjoy the episode and more good stuff to come. All right, take care. Enjoy. <laughs> Oh, we have one of us here waiting for. I am here. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you fine, Mr. Joe Clark. That's me. All right, we'll wait for Travis to to get in here. Anyhow, I'm here with uh, the originators, or two of the three originators of the Jetstream podcast, Joe Clark and Travis Hrubenyak. I think I said that right. And it looks like Travis has joined us now. Travis, are you there? Yes, sir. All right, perfect. Thanks so much for doing this, guys. Uh, I just thought it'd be kind of fun to uh, retell the story of the Jetstream podcast. Um, as you guys know, and some other people are probably aware, this Jet-centric podcast uh, is somewhat of a grandchild to what you guys started way back when. Um, <laughs> so again, <laughs> yeah, thanks for, thanks for doing this. And uh, yeah, I just thought it'd be fun to have you guys on and kind of tell some stories. So I'll kind of go back and forth with some questions for you guys, um, just so we're not talking over each other over each other sorry um joe 
yes. this whole mm-hmm. podcast, the jet stream thing that you guys did, whose idea was this? How did how did this all come about? I know in the early years of the jets coming back, lots of excitement. I know uh, we know each other personally, and so what what was the motivation behind this, and how did it all come together? Well, for me, uh, I, I really didn't have a whole lot to do with, with the originating of it. I kind of just hopped on board. Um, Travis and uh, I think Neil, the producer, uh, had uh, had come up with the original idea. And um, I don't even think I was supposed to be featuring on it every week. Uh, <laughs> it was supposed to be originally. Uh, it was supposed to be uh, Neil and Travis, and then they were going to um, cycle through um, co-hosts and uh, I was there for the first episode and we also had a couple other people um, come in and in and out and uh, in the end uh, the three of us just had a pretty good chemistry that uh, yeah we, we were able to jive pretty well and um, it just turned into into a trio thing and uh, it worked out pretty well. And and who are some of those other people that cycled through I'm sure uh, I, I can't recall who they are because I didn't listen to every episode but who are some of the other people that were involved in the early days? At the very beginning, we had uh, another one of uh, well, Travis and Travis and Neil um, went to school together, and uh, so they're good friends. And they had another one of one of their friends uh, come on as well. His name was Kale. He was in one of the maybe one or even two of the first very first episodes. Um, and then we also had a couple different guests along the way. One being one more notable one being Rob Ballman, who wrote uh wrote a couple books on advanced stats and nhl and stuff but uh yeah we had a couple ideas of of other people or other friends who would come through i don't remember if we ever even ended up having them on like uh, our chemistry ended up just kind of working out and we never really needed to or felt the need to bring in more people well, that's cool. Yeah, I, re- I really enjoyed actually listening to you guys. And I know so you guys did stuff on, on uh, YouTube, uh, had the videos posted and stuff. That was uh, a neat element to it. Um, Travis, over to you. Um, you are actually a Leafs fan. So, so what's the motivation for you to, to start a, a Jets podcast? When the Jets came back, was you're just a, a Winnipeg boy, so you're excited to support the, the new local team? Or, or what, what's your story? How did you get involved with this being not originally maybe a, a Jets fan? Maybe you could tell your story there a bit. Um, so yeah, like, as I'm sure anybody who's followed me on Twitter for any reasonable amount of time has figured out, I'm a pretty passionate Leaf fan. Um, and it, <laughs> <laughs> um, so throughout high school and when I was a kid and stuff like that, like I always, I had an interest in the Jets. Like they left when I was like five years old. So I never really knew them when I was really young, but uh i was always into hockey i never really played but i always watched a lot and um i throughout high school i'd always write any report on like the potential of the jets coming back and like is this actually a thing and i always kind of followed that stuff closely followed all the glendale stuff a lot it's actually funny all those facebook memories from that you see nowadays i have so many of them that are just posting about glendale and stuff like that as if anybody actually cared what i had to say um (laughs) but yeah ultimately it was around, I think it was a 2011 lockout uh, for that shortened season. Right, actually, the Leafs making the playoffs in that epic first collapse against Boston. Um, I had really started watching uh, or following a lot of Leafs blogs, uh, one of them being Leafs Nation, mostly because of I'd seen some videos of Steve Dangle doing his stuff. Um, and then it was right around that time that they were starting to expand into Winnipeg. Uh, and they kind of had just like an open call for anybody who was interested about writing about the Jets and being in Winnipeg and kind of seeing that call. I was 
threw my hat in the ring um, and I ended up getting chosen as one of the people to start writing about them. Uh, it's actually funny because one of my first articles, uh, I wrote something about how uh, that old GST line, the uh, Tanner Glass, Jim Slater, Chris Dorburn line was a big piece that the Jets needed to try to reinvigorate to which I, <laughs> I still remember to this day, Garrett Hole being the first person to comment on that being like, actually, uh, no, they don't. <laughs> Um, yeah nice try Travis <laughs> yeah exactly uh I'd like to think my opinions got a little bit better throughout the years but ultimately um I'd worked with Neil before Neil had always Neil's always been into podcasting and writing and that kind of stuff kind of the trying to figure out how tech can be involved with journalism and all that kind of stuff uh so when they had originally come back uh Neil was kind of he'd asked me just to write something about the Jets for a blog he was doing at the time just on his own and then he had asked me a couple times to come and just feature on other podcasts that he had tried. Uh, and then I'd kind of just had the itch to k- get into the whole scene afterwards. So I reached out to him and just kind of got really into covering the jets and they were always on TV and they were always around. It was just hard being in Winnipeg, not getting sucked into the hype. Uh, so as much as I always will be and always have been a Leafs fan, it was, it was just an, I had, I had time uh, at the time. Yeah. And, figured it'd be a fun thing to do so huh. that's uh that's quite the story there so um can you guys still hear me yeah Hello? Yep. okay good sorry it sounded like cut off for a second uh sorry about that so now you guys have mentioned this neil character a couple times and i've uh, chatted with him over the the dms joe who's this neil guy and does this show happen without neil he was the producer well what did he do like you guys i remember doing most of the talking but uh neil is he sort of the uh, Brandon Ruicki of the Jetstream uh, podcast. <laughs> yeah, you know that's a that's a good comparison. Um, well, yeah, I mean Tra- Travis did a lot of uh, a lot of the preparation in terms of uh, the actual content of what we were going to be talking about on on the sh- on the show weekly. But uh, yeah, Neil Neil was the brains, um, and like like Travis had alluded to, he's the tech the tech guy. He had all the equipment. He had the venue. <laughs> I mean, we did it at his house. Um, okay. In the he basement, all, yeah. In the basement, yeah. That's right. And um, yeah, he had uh, he had the mics, he had uh, the whole setup, and he, he's one of those guys where you know if if Travis or or myself had tried tried to take this on um, by ourselves, you know, we wouldn't have thought of the fact of you know putting a blanket down on the table where the microphones were so that things weren't clunking around and just acoustics. And he did all the editing and all the sound drops that you know the things that you when you listen to a podcast that's produced well, you don't really notice it but uh it's not the thing that you would think to put in so he really brought that value value to it and then he was also for anybody who's who had listened to the podcast when it was around he he you know partook in in the conversations as well maybe not as heavily as travis or i but he was he was there he had a mic and uh he was he was in on it and he's a smart guy so he would uh he would always have a a good point to to bring up every now and then yeah there's absolutely no way it would have honestly like the idea never would have even taken off anywhere if Neil didn't know what he's doing and did what he did. Like he really, yeah. anything, any production value at where we literally, <laughs> where we sat in literally. the basement and everything was like, he yeah. had it all ready to go by the time we got there. And he, yeah. but yeah, he added, he added kind of that piece that brought everything together. So yeah, no, there's no chance it would have happened without him. Right. Um, now you, uh, Travis, you're out in New Brunswick, not at the very 
moment, right? But uh, do you guys all still keep in touch? Is this like, was that you guys were friends before that, but was that like a real kind of close bonding thing where you guys are in contact or is this the first time you and Joe have uh, spoken since the, the you know, the, ep- <laughs> the episode of uh, April 29th, 2016 or something? Is there is there a story there or are you guys all still cool? Joe Clark's actually the worst person I've ever met in my life. <laughs> so, uh, yes. <laughs> Uh, no, we're we're all pretty close. Like we're all busy now, and like obviously I live in New Brunswick, and Neil's in Creecom or just finished Creecom at Red River, and Joe's actually my best one of my best men at my wedding. So yeah, we're still pretty tight. So yeah, we okay. talk every now and then, I guess. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, actually, um, and uh, Neil, uh, he did the the logo for you guys as well, right? Yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah, Travis and I, we we chatted about that. So and uh, he gave us permission to use it for any kind of future stuff. So uh, that was kind of cool. So um, Joe, back to you. Uh, you used to follow, following the Jets much. I, we know Travis's story with the, obviously being out East and the, the, the Maple Leaf story and now not doing the podcast, probably not hi- as highly invested in what's happening with the Jets, but you still following? Were you down at the street parties last year? What, what, what's going on with you and your Jets fandom? Well, you know, I didn't go to any of the street parties. Um, but that's not so much to do with with uh not necessarily being a fan of the Jets, but just more of <laughs> you couldn't get a you couldn't get a ticket to the street party. That's why. Yeah, maybe that was it. Maybe that was it. No, that's uh not really my scene. But uh, I I you know, and even before this whole Jet stream thing started, I mean, I'm a sports fan kind of in general. I'll watch you know anything from Aussie Rules football all the way to golf. Like I I'll I'll watch anything. I just I like I like sports and that's uh that's what i that's what i do and so i don't really pay a super a close amount of attention to any sport in particular other than soccer is my my go-to but uh when um when the jets came back obviously there's just you know the hype is is unavoidable and i was i was a bit of a hockey fan um before that anyways and then um i basically took it upon myself as a responsibility to to watch every game of the jets when we were doing the podcast just well i kind of got you know brought into this this uh, scenario of being on this weekly podcast when like I had mentioned earlier was not actually the original plan. <laughs> it was just going to be, you know, maybe I'd come on every now and then and say a few stupid things and you know, that would be it. But uh, yeah, how it ended up working out was that I was there every week. So I said, okay, well, here we go. Now this is what you do. So <laughs> I uh, took that responsibility head on and uh, I watched every game and, you know, paid attention to what was going on and everything. And, uh, whenever uh, or when when the podcast ended, um, I kind of just reverted to my to my original where you know I watched the odd game and my girlfriend's dad is a big uh, big Jets fan, so I'll watch games with him and my my dad likes to watch games as well, so you know I uh, I do it as like a social event, you know, we'll go and game together, and have a couple beers and watch the Jets game, but uh, you know other than that, I'm I'm not uh, super hardcore. Yeah, and and you took yourself off Twitter to stay out of the the arguments that happened that rage on <laughs> on Twitter about the Jets. And yeah, oh, um, right. should say congratulations, Joe, to France winning World Cup because even though your last name is Clark, you are a Frenchie, right? I do have some French in me. Yeah, I was yeah. just as surprised as anybody else, though. Yeah, <laughs> good team. Anyhow, that's a little little diversion. So, uh, Travis, with the the podcast, how how long did you guys actually go for? Was it like a year, two years, three years, four years? And did you go weekly, like? What was kind of the story with that? Because I know I can, uh, you know, do the research and go back, but I don't really want to listen to you guys <laughs> talk about Mark Stewart that much. So um, <laughs> that is a good choice. Yeah, okay. Um, who are testing my memory? I can't remember exactly what we did. I think two full seasons, yeah, I think. I think. Um, yeah, we had originally, again, coming back to Neil. Neil was 
his big thing when we were first starting is consistency. Like whatever we were going to do, we needed to stick to that schedule. So that's ultimately where we decided like, okay, every Sunday night we'll record unless something crazy happens. Uh, or we had a few weeks where just things didn't work out. But uh, our big thing when, as we were doing it is that if we were going to commit to this, we needed to, at, at least before even we had Joe, Neil and I had said, okay, every week we are putting something out and, making it work and then we'll take a break in the off season if we need to. Um, and yeah, we, it just, I, I think it was two, about two full seasons. And like Joe said, he was originally like, we, we originally were asking Kale if he wanted to do it because he'd done podcasts with us before, but he couldn't really commit. And then I think it was just a circumstance again, that Joe was available and uh, yeah, it ended up being, I, I don't think we missed a week, a full week at any point in time in that couple years until like off seasons when we deliberately took breaks. But yeah, the, the one thing that I will say coming away from that is I do have, as much as I know a lot of us like to crap on sports radio in Winnipeg, it is I couldn't imagine coming up with something to talk about for that long every day of the week. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's insane the amount of yeah. talking those guys have to do. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I, again, I'll, I will still give them crap for some of the ideas they come up with and stuff like that, and I don't necessarily agree with some of what, they say like there's a reason I don't listen to that stuff a lot anymore um but yeah it's it I mean there were weeks where things it's like okay well let's like you said let's talk about Mark Stewart again because (laughs) there's nothing else going on this team just keeps doing the same stuff so you can you reach sometimes but I think that's also where a lot of the fun stuff like the spelling bee and stuff comes from is you're looking for something to keep people entertained and something that's just off the wall and like it's even when the team's not doing well, finding fun things to do kind of just gives people enjoyment out of a very bland situation. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, hey, Joe, um, when you guys were recording, was there, like, it seems like there's a couple things going on now. Were there, were you guys like the originator or were there a couple other podcasts going on? Like, was there, um, I guess the feedback and stuff that you guys got, was there a competition or was there, were you guys the only thing happening at that time? You know, do you, what, that's based the kind of the 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 summary of of the question but i'm also thinking like did you guys know how many viewers you had like what mediums you're on i know that's that's kind of like uh, nitpicky like just little stuff but i'm just kind of curious like if you kind of give an overall of what the the jets podcasting scene was at that time i don't see you know what i mean but uh yeah yeah sure as far as far as i knew or as far as any of us knew i don't really think that there was anyone else doing a strictly jets uh podcast at the time i mean the jets had only been back for i think it was a year when we started was it the year first year or second year when we started uh, something like yeah. that. yeah so like like they hadn't been around for that long and uh like i i just don't think the idea was really out there too much and so yeah i don't think there we didn't have any direct competition really there were there were hockey podcasts out there for sure that were more general hockey podcasts and they would talk about the Jets, you know, the Steve Dangle podcast being being one of them. I mean, they talked about the Leafs, obviously, a lot, but uh, they would mention the Jets from time to time. And there's a few other ones. But, um, yeah, as far as pure Jets podcasts, I, I don't or I never heard of any at the time that were, you know. No, there, there definitely yeah. was. It was actually kind of funny. It felt like everybody was being just gracious and being like because <laughs> nothing else even popped up until we stopped. It felt like everyone that was involved in the Jets blog scene just kind of was like, no, you guys got this and take it for what it is. And it is a lot of work as I'm sure, you know, at this point, it's a lot to put together. So I think it was partially that people just saw us and enjoyed it and kind of let it be. Yeah. Well, I definitely appreciate the work side of it, especially the way that 
me and our team have sort of decided for the most part to, to, to do things. It involves a lot of contact with a lot of people and not just like the same three, but trying to do like stuff like this. So even arrange this with you guys tonight, right? You can yeah. appreciate that just the timing of it. Uh, as soon as you get more yeah, than one of the process, right? So, uh, yeah. um, Joe, do you, uh, do you miss this at all? Like, do you, do you miss doing the podcasting and following like the, like a team really, really closely, or is that you're fine to just kind of be the casual fan? Cause it was kind of probably a pretty sweet time and, pretty interesting to be in it but you just kind of moved on from all that i know you had moose season tickets too i'm, I'm gonna guess that you probably moved on from those as well <laughs> yes yeah i did i had moose season tickets actually uh, i don't think i ever had them in consecutive years but i think i've maybe had moose season tickets for three years but just at different times even yeah. going back to before when the jets were were around but um and we, yeah, had, I, we had tickets in the same section too that's but right we yeah we did yeah, I was at the glass. You were at the back, but <laughs> yeah, I yeah, never ended up actually seeing you there. But uh, yeah, no, uh, I, uh, I, I like, I, I like being a casual fan. Um, but I mean, yeah, the, the, we had some some fun times, and it was it was great. Uh, I mean, you're hanging out, you're hanging out with two of your buddies, talking about talking about sports, and I mean, that's just it's it's kind of fun. It was more it was more just like hanging out on a, it was it was pretty much set plans to hang out every Sunday night and talk about hockey and, and have some fun. So I do miss that. And, um, but I hadn't really thought too much about missing the actual aspect of, of doing the podcast and the work involved. And, uh, ever, ever since it ended, I was kind of just like, well, it's over now and whatever, but just even, uh, you know, talking, talking tonight and doing, doing this kind of thing sort of makes me a little bit nostalgic, but, uh, yeah, I, I definitely have a less, less time in, in my life now. And when I look back, I'm like, oh, man, how did I squeeze that in every single week, every Sunday night? Because uh, the amount of time that free time that I have now, I can't imagine trying to do it. Yeah, we talked to, after after we'd stopped for a while. I remember us having a couple conversations about how weird it was not seeing each other yeah. every single week and just being like, huh, it, it, it was just kind of weird because you got so used to seeing each all of the three of us all the time yeah. that, yeah, it was just that was probably the weirdest and honest to be completely honest the one part of it i do miss the most because i mean life keeps going on but yeah it, it's it was it was weird definitely well that that's kind of a a, a good segue into travis i was going to ask you um when it ended what what's kind of some of the the, the circumstances or what why why did you guys stop did you stop being fans or you move away or, or what what was going on with you guys there that made it difficult to keep going yeah, it was honestly, it was a really sudden thing. Um, we didn't, it, it was kind of out of our hands. And I mean, we p- could have kept going, but I was just at kind of a point in my career where it was kind of becoming almost a conflict of interest with some stuff that I had going on. Um, and it was, it, it was a bit of a selfish decision on my part because I kind of needed to make the call of like, am I willing to risk? being able and closing doors for myself in the future to keep it going. Um, and I, I, I think if I was to go back and talk to Joe and Neil now about that decision, I think, especially with what Neil's doing now, it was probably a good idea to kind of either ease off a little bit or stop it. And I think the three of us would agree that we weren't, we didn't want to have to change how the podcast was rolling out and like the content content and what we were saying. And we would, I don't think any of us would have wanted to have to censor ourselves. Yeah. Um, so I think we would, it was ultimately a call of like, okay, let's, if we're going to have to censor ourselves or if we're going to have to be careful of what we're saying, just to 
avoid any potential future issues, then it's probably not worth doing because I just I don't think any of us would have been down with that. Right. And then after, like, I don't know the 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 full story afterwards. But when you guys finished, it kind of left a podcast, a Jets theme podcast gap there that was uh, like um, filled eventually by the AIH Superfans podcast. So you guys had some involvement with sort of like approaching people, say, hey, there's room to do this, or, or how did that happen? Where it became the AIH Superfans, which has now turned into um, Jet Centric, which is why I said it's this is sort of the grandchild of what you guys did. It's weird to think that it's been that long. Yeah, We've had other like two podcasts go through. Yeah. Um, they, I don't think we had really much of spurring it forward. I know that a couple of the guys who had started uh, the Superfans podcast, they did ask to me to kind of figure out what the circumstance was and just make like, it wasn't like a, they needed my permission to do make a podcast. I mean, anybody can really do what they want with that. But I think again, like they, I knew those guys pretty well and I worked worked quote unquote with them but uh i had moved over and blogged with uh sb nation and for a little bit before we'd ended things um and they just kind of i think just out of respect in a weird way just asked if it was cool and i was more than willing to kind of say yeah obviously go ahead and do it like it's it is kind of cool looking back and like i i do appreciate you asking us too like not that anybody needs to if they want to start a podcast start a podcast but it is kind of cool to know that it's kind of kept going under that same lineage yeah i think i think it's cool it, it was neat what you started for those who don't know which is most everybody uh joe and i played soccer together and he told me that he was doing this just real casual and i'm like i'm gonna check into that and so the seed for me to kind of like want to be involved with this down the road and where what it is now was planted you know whatever that was joe like five six years ago or something right yeah. and he shared with me and i was watching you guys and i said that's cool i, I think i could do that i i, I enjoy sort of you know, the fan perspective, not the, the mainstream media. And I think a lot of other people do too. So there's definitely um, uh, a void for it to be filled by people who want to talk. And there's always people that want to listen, as I'm sure you guys know, you had I'm sure, lots of feedback and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. The, the coolest part, I, I don't know. I think I speak for Joe here too. The coolest part is we, by the time we had finished, like we had gotten messages from people. So they just finished that series with Anaheim and there was people from Anaheim who had messaged us saying they had found it just because they were looking to get a Jets perspective of things. We had people from like Denmark messaging us and all like all over the place. And that was whenever we get one of those emails, it would just be like, Oh, that's, that's insane that people like we, it wasn't a huge following, but we had a few hundred people pretty regularly listening to us. And yeah giving us feedback and yeah it's it was it was, it was cool yeah, yeah it was definitely for me the world the the sort of worldwide aspect of it like not that you know hundreds of people in every country are listening but even just the fact that you know one person from denmark emailed us or so one person from australia and then we had a few like a, a few regular people who would email us from the states and um different places in europe it's like it's just it's crazy when you start something like that you don't expect to reach anybody further than your backyard but uh it's uh-huh. kind of cool to know that that can happen well, then we had uh, Andrew Campbell in Ottawa actually like send us money at one point to buy coffees on him for the show. And I actually ended up I, when I went to uh, a Sens game when we were still doing it, like I met with him there. And it was it was such a surreal thing to be like this guy, like just listens to our show. And I still like he's still someone who tweets at me every once in a while. And we have just random little one off conversations on Twitter. And it's just I don't know. It's it's, it's cool to think that 
it's just people found it and liked it so yeah that, that is it and again i was one of them so I'm, I'm appreciative for what you guys started there um i was gonna say joe because uh you're supposed to be the most jancy fan out of uh out of the two of you to talk about some exciting elements uh, that you're looking for to next season or even recap last season but i'm gonna just skip over that because i don't know how much attention you paid so you'll be talking out of your ass on that one but yeah, that's uh, probably <laughs> yeah thanks for not steering me on that <laughs> yeah i'll just i'll tell you i was going to throw you under the bus but i won't now but uh it just this is just like a, a little formality just for my own sake uh maybe others that enjoy this kind of uh minutiae but what platforms were you guys on what were you broadcasting on i i know the youtube i mentioned that a couple times but what where were you where can people even find the old episodes of what you guys did there Oh man! Well, I think there's still stuff on YouTube. Is there? Yeah, well, I know there's stuff on YouTube still. Uh, actually, my uh, my girlfriend just recently was going through some of the stuff on YouTube and kind of yeah, enjoying um, seeing our my awkwardness on camera. But uh, <laughs> she sent me a message, and oh, I, I'm sorry, I need to bring this up. She sent me a message at one point, straight up being like, "Hey, you called this," and I was like, "Called what?" And it was going through, and it was calling how like when the whole Vegas thing had just started, I straight up called that Vegas was going to be an expansion team and not a relocation, and I was so proud of myself. Yeah, and I think you even called the name. Yeah, no, something like yeah, that. I did. I might have to do some digging on that one. Yeah, but... yeah you might have to double check that. But yeah, it, oh, that's on. It was that's on YouTube. I'm pretty sure. I think you called the Knights. I don't know if you called the Golden Knights, but I think you called the Knights. Yeah. Like oh, oh, did you, did you drop the loss too? Did you just did you say the Vegas Knights or did you say Las Vegas? Oh, I, I I don't know. I don't think I'm gonna look into that, but maybe somebody who's listening can look it up and send it to us, and we'll uh, I'll I'll tweet it out or something like that. Um, but did you guys know that I think there's a show uh, one of the mainstream media guys does um, that's called on on TSN Jetstream. Uh, I did. I'm pretty sure that. one of the was that was that uh, after you guys disappeared, or were you guys their two jet streams? It was definitely. I know it was definitely after we disappeared. I think Joe sent it, or Neil sent it to me yeah. one time. I'm like, what the heck? And I was like, whoa, what? Yeah, <laughs> I'm curious to know if uh, if he had any that he, that they would ever really care if they were taking the name of of a podcast that previously existed that was broadcast out of someone's basement. But uh, I'm curious to know if if they had any sort of realization about that. Well, I do know there were a few of them in the crowd that knew of us. Uh, just, I'm not going to name names, but I had gotten, I had received just random times throughout the uh, years that I'd written stuff, and I'd always posted the podcast on whether it was Jets Nation or uh, AIH. But um, I had gotten just DMs a few times actually from media members being like, "Oh, hey, this was really cool," or like, "Oh, I like this idea that you guys brought up and stuff." So I know that a few of them were listening. So I don't know if it that particular reporter had seen anything before but i know a few of them definitely had yeah uh, I, don't know, I don't know if you know travis or not but uh at one point we were you could listen to the podcasts on uh stitcher radio podcast app and uh on soundcloud as well but i don't i haven't looked recently to see if those are still up there yeah i'm not sure no idea. yeah so those those were some of the things we were on uh when we were when we were broadcasting you know weekly but uh yeah i mean it's been years since i've <laughs> got, gone back and listened and we were on itunes as well but i i couldn't say whether they're still there or not right yeah youtube would probably be the best yeah. bet at this point 
And uh, I guess my last question, maybe Joe, you can handle this one. But uh, so were you guys actually? Because Travis, uh, maybe Travis, it might be a better question. You got you did some writing for SB Nation, uh, which is at the Nation uh, Network. So there's Jets Nation and Flames Nation, all those ones. But you also mentioned AIH. Was the podcast actually affiliated with one of those what I like to call secondary media groups, either Jets Nation or Arctic Ice, or was it just your own thing? And you had individual involvement with those groups. Um, it was our own thing. I had, a, I like I said, I started writing for Jets Nation, and then I actually like for either one when it got posted there, I kind of had to like go and be like, "Hey, is it okay if I post this?" And like they were always more than open. It was, I mean, it's content for them, right? Um, but yeah, I don't think we were ever officially affiliated with either org, um, and I don't think either any of us really wanted to be affiliated officially because I felt like we could kind of do our own thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they were they were always more than welcome. I'm sure. I actually I know for a fact them willing to host just a platform for us to put it out there definitely helped us gain an audience. And yeah, right. Yeah, that's kind of uh, where we're just chatting with one of the the partners, the other co-host tonight about that that same thing of just you know sort of being more independent because then you can involve kind of more people and do your own thing. You're not tied to but i don't think either of those those two groups which i love both of and know people and each one of them i think they do great work and so being affiliated with one i think is would be great but at the same time i don't think it really matters you just have on who you want to have on so yeah mm-hmm. anyhow yeah they seem to get along overall sorry uh yeah sorry i didn't mean to cut you off there i am fresh out of questions and uh we actually aren't really going to talk about the jets i kind of want to take this time to uh give you guys a voice because I, again, I thought it was pretty neat. I'm sure some other people will appreciate uh, taking the time to do this. So uh, to you guys, thanks for what you started because you guys were the originators and Neil, who, if you're out there listening, uh, you could DM me back about those, uh, the, the better version graphics of the, the logos. So get on that, get on, <laughs> get on that Neil. And uh, yeah, so thanks so much for guys for taking the time tonight and what you did before. I know a lot of Jets fans appreciate it and I'm glad that Joe told me about it and I found it too. So, <laughs> well, I'm glad that you uh, you enjoyed it. Uh, I kind of was uh, hesitant to maybe tell people about it when it first started because I was like, I don't know if this is actually good or not. <laughs> yeah, it was it was fun, and yeah, I appreciate appreciate you reaching out to us. It's it's awesome. It's fun doing this stuff. Again. Yeah, not a problem, guys. It was a lot of fun, and uh, again, appreciate it. I know a lot of other people did too. So, anyhow, I'll let you guys get back to your non-jet centric life right now. And uh, uh, Joe, maybe we'll see you around. And yeah, Travis. Maybe I'll see you around. We've never met, but maybe one day we will. But maybe one. Take day. care out east. Thanks. Okay, bro. take care, guys. Bye-bye. Okay, see you. Bye. Hello there, Jets fans. This is AJ. I am here with Harrison Lee, resident of Baltimore, Super Jets fan, and contributor to Jets Nation. Thanks for doing this, Harrison. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, I'm just feeling a little bit tired. Start a new job, but uh, yeah, I'm 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 doing pretty good overall. So, anyhow, Harris, well, let's get right into this. Uh, I had a couple questions for you. I think uh, you have an interesting side story of how you became a Jets fan and how people have come to know you on the Twitter machine, and and now uh, you're doing some contributing through uh, to Jets Nation, I believe. Um, how did you become a Jets fan? What, what what's your story? You live in Baltimore. Why are you not a, a, a fan of some Eastern Seaboard team? What, what what's going on with you? So uh, I used to kind of have an on and off like passing interest in the Atlanta Thrashers. Um, they were on TV every now and then, and they were kind of terrible. 
um, but they were entertaining, I guess. So, um, you know, living around DC metro area, you kind of get used to disappointment um, of a very different order. I mean, the Caps on and off for the past several years have either been a pretty powerhouse team or, you know, an early playoff exit kind of team, or there were a couple of seasons where they were just kind of, just kind of bad. Um, so I, you know, I didn't really feel like a strong attachment to the Caps, I guess. Um, and something about the the Thrasher's offense where they, you know, had Kovalchuk and uh, Antropov and some of his glory years um, and a lot of kind of spare parts that they put together actually had a pretty decent forward core and uh, it was entertaining. Obviously that team was pretty bad overall, um, but I, I still enjoyed it. And uh, when they relocated, I sort of forgot that that team existed. And then around 2014 or 2015, uh, the first few games, I just started checking in on the Jets because I was curious to see what had happened with that franchise. I'd, I'd known some of the stuff where they had drafted some decent players and um, had a, a decent prospect for a future, although the team was still kind of mediocre back then. Uh, and then something switched in like the first few weeks for the 2014-15 the Jets, and they actually started to look like an NHL team that had goaltending, which was kind of a nice change. Um, competent defense, uh, a good offense that uh, generally outscored their <laughs> number of mistakes. Um, and they, they played with an aggressive edge that uh, some teams tend to lack. I think um, a lot of teams talk about that being like a team identity where you have to be big, strong, tough, and physical. Um, but the Jets kind of, they just had more than that. They had the full package. And I think that was very appealing as somebody who, um, was frustrated by Atlanta, never feeling like it could put multiple different parts together into a cohesive whole. Uh, so I, I just kind of hopped on and haven't really stopped. And now the, so the season that you started watching was Paul Maurice's first full season, right? The 2014, 15 season. That's when yeah. you kind of got into it. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting to note though, that you are also, you do have a secondary favorite team, which just won the Stanley cup. So you, you do cheer for the, the Washington Capitals as well, right? You do um, have some of their jerseys and, and you know, that, that is your other team, right? Yeah, for sure. I, I root them on. I mean, they're, they're the local team. Yeah. Um, and I like, <laughs> let's just say I like more than a few of their players. Um, I'm definitely an Evgeny Kuznetsov, Jakob Vrana, Dmitry Orlov. I, I will defend those men to my grave. Right. Um, <laughs> what, do you, uh, what do you think of the recent, um, uh, movement of players where Marian Hossa is now part of Jets 1.0 and he was also part of Jets 2.0 as well as your Atlanta Thrashers <laughs> kind of a, a I don't know I don't I always find those things a little bit interesting I was curious if you had any comments I know obviously he's never going to be playing for the uh, Coyotes but uh, it's kind of funny how that that happens there ironically somebody I know is uh, actually I think bringing I'm going to like a, a game or an hockey jersey expo on Saturday uh, where I'll be representing the Jets uh, bringing some Winnipeg love up there um, somebody one of my friends actually has like a couple of Hosa Thrashers jerseys and was just talking about trading them <laughs> that was right before the, his trade got announced you know um, what that's you're you talk about the jersey thing you should uh, like I'll, I'll let you just kind of keep going there talking about your jersey collections but if when you do that can you bring up the point uh when you were in winnipeg you share that story 
about some of those Atlanta thrashers. I think the uh, jerseys, I think they were red or something like that. That sort of just all disappeared and like nobody knows where they all went. I remember there was a story with the jerseys for people that don't know you're a very avid jersey collector. I remember you, I think you, you had a uh, ice caps Hellebuck jersey, if I'm not mistaken. Um, oh, oh yeah. I, um, yeah. So maybe you it? can touch on that a little bit. That's a fun, fun side note about uh, Harrison Lee. Yeah, I, my my main hobby is um, collecting game worn hockey jerseys. I, I'm kind of swimming in them right now. I probably need to to shrink down the collection at some point. Um, but as far as the Thrashers' history goes, uh, for people who don't really know, the Thrashers' ownership team was kind of an absolute disaster. Um, they their relationship with the fans was always pretty bad, um, and it just never really stabilized. Uh, so in the last few months of the Thrashers season, uh, before they relocated to Winnipeg, a lot of gear just kind of got dumped. Um, and they basically told the arena staff, Hey, we got all this debt. Uh, we're gone. See ya. You can figure out how to pay off selling whatever you can to try and pay some of it down. I don't actually know what ended up coming out of all of that, but what did end up happening was that, you know, gear has kind of just gone basically fallen off a truck. And I mean, if you, if you go to Phillips arena in Atlanta, you'll actually still be able to find like old thrashers promo material and stuff just sitting in boxes. Um, so it was very chaotic, but they, they wore these red alternate jerseys for like, I don't know, two or three seasons. Um, maybe it was more like two. Were and, they, were they the ones that looked like it was almost like a big T it looked like, is that the ones uh, on the front for the logo? No, I think that was, was now that was the like the early Thrashers. Uh, that was earlier in their their seasons. This okay. one was. Sorry, keep going. Oh no, it was just um, I think it was it had the Thrasher Bird logo, if I recall correctly, and it had like some like yellow orangish piping on the uh, on a couple of the seams. Very simple looking jersey, but for some reason, all of the ones that were worn in the final season never surfaced. Um, and no one knows where they went or why they're missing. So I assume maybe the players kept them or somebody just dumped them and took them. I, I don't know. Um, I think one of my friends knows the former equipment manager of the Thrashers, but I don't think he knows what happened to him either. Oh, a mystery. And for some people who do the collecting, uh, collectors, is that sort of like a hot item to get like some of those defunct teams and like, maybe obscure players or is that like a, a big deal? Like do the thrashers jerseys still warrant a lot of interest when you go to these expos for game worn jerseys? Thrashers jerseys um, are actually not too uncommon. Uh, they, I mean, the modern era past 15 years has seen players where, you know, anywhere from 10 to 30 jerseys a season, which is kind of a broad range, but it depends on how much they sweat. Um, some guys like Buffalo and sweat a ton, so they'll wear like four jerseys a game. Uh, weird fact, but uh, as far as defunct teams, it does depend. Like um, Danbury Trashers, I don't know if you know the story of that. That no. was the oh oh goodness. Okay, so the Danbury Trashers are one of the weirdest uh, minor league teams to have ever existed. I f I think they were UHL. Um, back in the was it late 90s or early 2000s basically this team was owned by a trash like mogul family that was also like a low-key mafia 
Um, they had like some embezzlement schemes going on and things, but they basically signed an entire roster of goons, and I think they won a championship because they just beat the crap out of the competition. Um, I want to oh say one of Gretzky's brothers, I think Brent it was, played for them at one point. Right. Um, wow. That whole team was just, I mean, literally trash. Um and their jerseys are super hard to find. So some of them command a lot of money. You can people love collecting Hartford Whaler stuff too. You know, the yeah. usual sorts of teams. Um the super, super, super special jerseys are tend to be the ones that are made out of wool. Because, you know, moths tend to destroy those things. So not many of those historical artifacts uh remain and those that do can command a, a bit of a princely sum. Right. And I was talking about the jerseys this last, uh, was it season or two seasons, the NHL, they moved to Adidas jerseys, except um, if you get just sort of the lower end ones or lower brand, or I'm not sure if it's a totally different company altogether, but it's called Fanatic. I don't, I don't know. You can maybe shed some light on is if Fanatic is part of Adidas or what that is, but with the new jerseys, is there, um, is that, was that a good switch? Like, I don't, I'm curious who the manufacturers were kind of through the years, as long as it's, I, I'm sure there's one point where teams probably had their own um, brands that they signed with, but for the most part in recent history, it's been league wide, right? It's been Adidas for the last year or two and Reebok for what, probably the last 10, 15 years before that. Is that, has that always been the case or, or was Nike ever a supplier of jerseys or? So NHL jerseys are kind of weird uh, in some ways. Um, before I get into it, like Fanatics is just like a, um, a merchandise retailer and like their fan made breakaway jerseys are just like the cheap crappy replicas that they sell at a premium. So it's not really part of Adidas. It's just, they make them look like it is, but it's really just like a regular fan Jersey. So um, do not buy. Is that what you're saying? Okay. Yeah. What about, um, there's still, I'll let you keep going here, but um, the jer- the Reebok jerseys that they're still trying to blow out, would you buy, if you're scooping up jerseys, are you scooping up those? Or are you picking up the new Adidas ones? What's the, the uh, quality and all that stuff with, with those? So the, Re- the Reebok ones that they're clearing out are the premier replicas, which I, I always thought were fine enough. If, you know, you throw like 40 or $50 on them. It's pretty okay. You know, it's just th- something to wear around. The the Adi Zero jerseys, which are kind of like um, uh, the closest analog that they had from the Reeboks is what they called the Indonesian Edge jerseys which are like pimp out, pimped out versions of replicas that are closer to the team-issued versions, but uh, still lack quite a few of the on-ice specifications. So it's, you know, it's a much nicer model. It's just not really all that close to the team-issued jerseys. Um, the Audi Zero ones are definitely in that same bracket where they're not that close to the on-ice jerseys. Um, I, I kind of like them. I mean, they're not that expensive compared to... a some of the old Reebok Edge 2s that they they sell, um, which was the previous team-issued ice model from uh, the last generation. Um, But one thing I didn't realize, to be honest, was that Reebok and Adidas are just the same company. Um, So Reebok used to do most of the jerseys. I think they also own CCM. Uh, I don't know if they own CCM when CCM still made jerseys for the league. Um, but for the most part, um, it's always been one main manufacturer. Minor league teams and like college teams will use Nike. I think Under Armour does jerseys. 
a um, few other kind of providers, uh, like some called Gemini, which I don't know that much about, but um, it's definitely been like Reebok or Adidas or CCM. Uh, and they, they all kind of fold into the same thing. Right. Well, I remember, I remember Nike, they had bought Bauer. Uh, Bauer never made the jerseys, uh, as far as I know. And Reebok um, did turn into CCM because I remember Crosby used to use a Reebok stick and then use CCM. But uh, I believe CCM uh, or all the Reebok sticks had already become CCM when they were still rocking the jerseys called Reebok. I'm pretty sure that was a couple couple years of that kind of crossover and then now Reebok's completely gone from hockey as far as I can tell so yeah I think Reebok only does like um maybe some side gear I don't know I forget exactly what their branding thing is uh because like uh, the NHL for each team actually has like a certain specifications for how many uh uh of a certain branded stick they can have um or have to have for team players and then some players get an exemption to use whichever brand stick they want. But uh, it's very finicky, these marketing deals. <laughs> yeah, I actually learned that about the, the AHL, um, meeting some of the Moose players at the, the zoo two years ago. Is they're completely CCM, and there it's basically the teams get very few exemptions from that. I think they get like maybe two, maybe three, that uh, players who are likely kind of on – two-way deals and going to move up or, you know, some veteran player that's been using whatever a Bauer stick forever. So I was pretty sure I asked Patrice Cormier that. And uh, he said that like he uses a Bauer or used a Bauer at the time. And uh, he was one of the few guys that was allowed to, to do that. So, but yeah, the, like you say, it's finicky, but at, there's probably a little bit more leeway with the, the NHL, but I know in the AHL, it's kind of CCM everything. It seems and helmets, gloves, like very few guys you see without that stuff, but we're going to move on from that. We're at the 15 minute mark. Um, I should say for those listening, I'm sorry that you're hearing my voice again uh, on this uh, episode, but Roddy was actually supposed to do the interview with Harrison, but he came down ill, so he's not able to do this. But moving along, Harrison, you are a contributor for Jets Nation. You write uh, or have written some some articles for them. How did you get involved with that? And for people who are interested in doing some of your reading, you're a very smart guy. Uh, What kind of stuff do you focus on in, in your writings? I actually should clarify. I um, I'm I'm writing for the companion sister site, Arctic Ice Hockey. Um, what? I got that wrong. Yeah, I'm with uh, AIH. Did I was was that always the case? Yeah, I. Oh, so I should I, do some homework. No, seriously. Uh, I. Your podcast is experiencing difficulties. Please do not panic. Resist the temptation to read or talk to loved ones. Do not attempt sexual relations, as years of TV radiation have left your genitals withered and useless. Very sorry about that. And um, again, I was in mid-apology for telling you and everyone else that you write for Jets Nation when it's actually Arctic Ice. So anyhow, the questions that I asked before still apply. So um, how did you get involved with that? What kind of stuff do you write about? Uh, I just sort of, uh, on and off, I was... I used to do like video game reviewing. I still do on, you know, on the side. Uh, and I thought, you know, maybe I should try my hand at some hockey blogging. So Arctic Ice Hockey was looking for some new staff editors because um, the site's been a little bit barren. Everyone, um, a lot of the old staff has gone on and moved on to different things. And uh, the current staff definitely needed some help to sort of take the pressure off of all of the articles and, and think pieces that they needed done. 
So I signed on because I, I definitely love prospects. Um, that's like my main game worn jersey collecting focus is young, talented prospect players. Um, and uh, I'd, I'd like to cover more of that for uh, Arctic Ice Hockey, especially in terms of like Jets prospects. Uh, this is this is the part where I stand Luke Green. Um, Y'all need to keep keep an eye out for that man. Uh, but basically, I did a lot of coverage on the um, couple of playoff rounds uh, this year where I did some game recaps and stuff. And I'd like to help bring a bit more of a data analysis bent to uh, some of the game recaps and, and uh, op-eds about the Jets because Winnipeg is absolutely right for doing uh, statistical analysis and reflecting on well, what, what's ultimately kind of becoming a leviathan of a team. Right. Well, that's, uh, that's cool. And so the prospect thing, now that maybe kind of move us into the next part of the conversation. Uh, you actually traveled to Winnipeg on your own dime to uh, come watch some Jets hockey to, to actually watch during the playoffs. You watched, came to watch Nashville. And before we talk about that, with the prospect thing, uh, you and I, it was just the two of us, right? We went to actually go watch a moose practice. So, uh, do you was there some uh, some notes or things from uh, watching those moose guys and some of the players that kind of tickled your fancy? Because I imagine a lot of these players, uh, unless they were playing at colleges and, and whatnot on the Eastern Seaboard, um, that you probably have never seen a lot of them play in person, right? And there, I'm trying to remember some of the guys that were actually at the practice. But um, was that uh, like a pretty cool experience to actually see some of these guys and? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I definitely was pretty excited. I mean, I, I definitely wanted to see Sami Niku's hair flowing in, in real time. Yeah. Um, I definitely wanted to see Nick Patan because I'm definitely a Patan fan, of course. Um, I did, for some reason, Tanner Kaspik, who's now in St. Louis, was staring me down the whole time. Um, but it was super cool to, you know, we got to think to talk to CJ Cease a little bit. Um, and then. Just yeah, he, was, he, was, he was really cool. I, I enjoyed our little chat with him. He was seemed to be cool to take the time to do it too. So sorry, I yeah, didn't cut you off there, but. Oh yeah. He seems like a nice kid. Um, and it was cool. You know, you, you don't really get that level of uh, access most days. Um, yeah. I, you know, I didn't really notice. I don't put, you know, at super amount of stock, but one interesting thing was, uh, I guess Lemieux's body language is always kind of like a, very, very unhappy and displeased, which I thought was odd. Uh, he always seems to, well, if the stories are true, he seems to have some uh, <laughs> at odds moments with the team. Um, right. But other than that, I mean, it was pretty normal practice fair. Things yeah. were relatively quiet. They're just going about their business, occasionally looking over, wondering why two people decided to come to their practice on a, uh, a weekday. Yeah. Um, and then the two of us trying to figure out there was three, three of the guys that were just in regular clothes that were sitting next to us, and we established two of them, but never. The, I don't think we ever got the third. One was Cedarholm, one was Scott and McKenzie, and the other was no idea. I don't. I don't know if we ever figured out who the the third one was, but that was kind of neat. They were sitting, sitting right there. Kind of could have chat with them if we wanted to, but uh, opted not to. Cedarholm's a big kid, man. Whew. Yeah, he is, but but what do you remember what I said about him though? It's, no, very small feet. I don't know what it is. <laughs> very small feet. It's such, I have such a weird eye for stuff like that. Anyhow, do you remember that or no? 
It's coming now. I actually do remember that now that you yeah. mentioned it. Yeah, and it's. Uh, I actually think it's kind of interesting. You brought up the uh, the Brendan Lemieux thing. That was actually an interesting thing because um, one thing that I think people don't really uh, spend too much time thinking about is just sort of the the people dynamics of a team, right? Like so often we just kind of see numbers, right? What are your stats? What do you do? But there there is a definitely a human element to, um, you know, uh, not just like having a guy in the room so everyone gets along, but it like players who hang out with other players or live with each other or don't get along or sort of rock the boat or don't kind of fit in. And it, th- that day there was definitely something kind of unusual about the, the Brennan Lemieux kind of dynamic. And like you said, body language that we had both chatted at, at the time, which it's not really worth kind of going into too much, but it was just kind of a neat to see that, right. And see the guys that come out early on the ice and stay till the very end and joke around more. I just, I, I enjoy seeing, seeing that you feel I, for me, I feel a little bit more like part of it. Because I'm like, that's what I do with my teammates when I play sports, right? And so you kind of get to see it, and it's it's almost uh, it's charming, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. As far as uh, the rest of the trip went, it was pretty great. I uh, I got to stay with the uh, the Friesen family, which is Mike and Ariel Friesen. They were amazing, amazing hosts, um, and they uh, have an awesome business where they do Christmas lighting um, and some really elaborate displays around Winnipeg which I got to see some of the stuff in his, uh, in his pimped out workshop and he had right. some crazy things going on in there, man. Um, really, really cool setup. Uh, but they were just awesome people to hang around. Um, and then you, Maddie, and I think, oh. yeah, Chris, I think was also there. Yeah. Um, yeah, y'all got to meet me at first at the airport after I got stopped by, uh, <laughs> by the border security yeah they, they didn't like you very much <laughs> they're probably like why is this weird american coming here to to watch hockey so yeah, what we, is we still wonder that we still wonder why you did that <laughs> well actually thought... bringing up that story you should uh sir, sorry i cut you off again there but uh the the story when you were waiting to get on the plane is actually kind of interesting because you met some people that were also traveling to winnipeg obviously but uh had some connections with the jets i wonder I don't know if you want to share names or not, but you, you made some interesting connections. Oh yeah. I, uh, so I, I, I first should say I, I came to Winnipeg because I thought I felt like this might be a cup run and I wanted to be there in person to experience it because why else would I want to do anything in life, but be in Winnipeg, uh, you know, as they cruise to a cup, I really thought, felt like this was their year. Um, and I came up for the Nashville series when it first came to Winnipeg, uh, game game four, I bought tickets to, um, and uh, that was at least definitely one that I I had paid for. Um, but before I ended up winning tickets to game three, I actually was uh, about to get on a flight uh, from Chicago to Winnipeg, and some of True North's executive staff were there. Uh, a couple of members of the marketing department, I think the chief financial officer was there and uh, they were just coming back from you know nashville uh and were on the return flight of all places uh and it was cool because they were they didn't tell me who they were at first and they were asking me some questions um because i had on a i think a line a jersey and they were asking some stuff about it and then i didn't even notice that one of the guys had a bag with a true north logo on it and then i saw it and i'm like oh I'm an idiot, of course. <laughs> they work for Winnipeg. 
Um, and then, uh, you know, light bulbs kind of went off. Um, but fast forwarding a few days, I entered a Twitter contest uh, from the, you know, the NHL Jets Twitter account and won tickets to game three. And the person who runs the account had actually talked to one of the people that uh, I had met on the plane. And they were like, oh, yeah. And I imagine the conversation was like, oh, that crazy guy from Baltimore, he flew all the way up. I don't know why. Let's just give him some tickets to a game, see what he does. Um, now, they were super, super generous and very kind. And I that was honestly, that was one of the coolest experiences I've ever I've ever had because game four was kind of lame. I don't think Winnipeg, I think Winnipeg had maybe one goal on like a, a last minute line A goal, but the rest of it was just kind of a slog. Game three, though, was just. Yeah. yeah, for those who don't remember game three, what was it, seven to two or something? Or well, I can't no, remember it was, what the uh, score was, but. It was like it, seven four. So, oh, it was that high for them? Okay. Yeah, it was, that was a crazy game. And I, I felt like I wasn't there, but I thought likely. Uh, that was the loudest the building has ever been was, was yeah. my guess. We were like, we were literally jumping on the seats cause they went down three, nothing in the first period. And I was ready to pull Hellebuck cause I thought Connor just didn't have it. Uh, you know, he, he had a great season. Sometimes during the postseason, he looked a little shaky. Um, and that night I was, I was concerned just cause he seemed a little bit tired. He, you know, his reflexes were a little bit late. He didn't have the reads that he usually wanted to. And, you know, it's not all of his fault because, I mean, I think there are a couple of power play goals and I think one of them was a perfect Subban slapper and there's not much you can do. But uh, he just felt like there needed to be some sort of momentum change. And then the Stastny goal happened, which was none of us on the left side of the rink knew what happened because it was at the other end and they had to go to review. Half the arena was cheering because they saw the puck go in. None of us knew what was going on, but we were just cheering anyways. Uh, and then they announced the goal and the place kind of started to come to life. And then the Bufflin goal happened and people started getting really amped up. And then like, what was it? Two minutes later, the Truba goal happened. Yep. Uh, yep. Or actually it may have been the other way around. And the Truba goal may have been this. No, no. Truba goal was third. Yeah, uh, it was 90% sure on that. Cause then I think the Bufflin goal, there was another Bufflin goal. Uh, I don't know, man. There was so much that happened that game. Yeah, I I just remember it was a, it was a sensory overload. We were screaming. I I took Mike with me to the game because they gave us two tickets, and uh, we were like jumping. And I think he was absolutely plastered, and my brain was just gone. And we were screaming. And then uh, then the rest of the game happened, and the Jets pulled it out, and we ran into the streets like idiots. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, that was pretty cool. I, we were all very excited for you that you're able to uh, have such a great experience. Like, yeah, game four was a dumper, but I mean, yeah, that's that was pretty pretty cool cool experience just to know that you know someone who come all this way and it was so great how True North treated you too and all that. So yeah, a lot, no, of, a lot of fun. All of it was experience, man. Yeah. Um, so uh, after that, did, did you do some writing about your experience? Like you said, you, you're doing game recaps. Did you do that for the actual playoffs so people could see some of your writings and probably some, read some of your excitement in that or, or not so much? Yeah, I, uh, I recapped the Golden Knights series. I forget if I recapped any of the Nashville games. I might not have because I might have only done high. like <laughs> – No. You were just riding have... a high, yeah. I didn't have my laptop on hand for games three and four, so I might have only done the ones that – I was back home um, 
but I did write a recap of my overall trip and experience and what uh, once I got back. Um, I have to find the link, but it's up there on Arctic Ice Hockey as well as all the recaps I did. Um, and then I think I have some recent pieces about like Jack Roslovic and stuff. Ah, I love Jack Roslovic. But uh, <laughs> uh, other than that, I'll probably be posting some stuff in the future about uh, uh, future prospects and what Winnipeg's <laughs> uncertain future is going to look like at some point. <laughs> right. Yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll end with this um, today. Uh, when we're recording this is the day of the Hellebuck signing. Uh, so uh, with all the moves that the Jets have made so far, are you kind of happy with that? Are you happy with the Hellebuck one specifically? Because uh, the other ones have, you know, kind of already passed through the the media and like whatever has happened, people have already talked about it. But uh, wh- what do you think of the, what they've done so far, especially recently? I, I'm pretty okay with the Hellebuck signing. It's, uh, you know, Matt Kane who does uh, lots of predictions and projections for um, new extensions and contracts had Hellebuck almost getting 7 million, uh, which would have been a little rich for my blood. I mean, it's, you know, as a, as a percentage of the cap hit, it's comparable to what most high end starters are getting these days or like Frederick Anderson. Um, I I'm okay with it. I mean, I knew he was going to get paid. I, I think, I think the term on the contract is fine for Winnipeg. Um, I know we, we often talk about uh, it being a one-year sample, but, you know, obviously Hellebuck has done really well, exceptionally well at lower levels. Um, and he put in a lot of hard work over the, uh, the the off season before this to sort of get his season on track. And it really showed. So I, I feel pretty confident that of the people, of the goalies that they've, they've invested in, you know, Hellebuck is the guy I feel most comfortable in, in giving the amount of term and cash that they have. Uh, two. As far as the Stastny thing goes, I'm still, uh, I, I'm still not over it. I mean, like I, I'm okay with it. I kind of accepted it, um, just because I think if you started giving him six, six and a half, you know, over three years, you're starting to, you're, you're going to need to cut more salary. Um, and I think Winnipeg has more than enough guys who can ultimately fill in that role. And I think Roslovic taking over that that second line center position. Uh, this coming season would be much more preferable. Um, I really want to see that kid be unchained because I think Winnipeg has something special in them. So overall, uh, it's been a quiet off season, maybe a little quieter than I was hoping. They've, they've cut a lot of contracts um, and cleared some room. So I just hope that uh, they can get this Truba and Morrissey extensions done. And, and uh, if they call that quits, call it quits after that, I'm okay with it because I just I really want this core locked up for the future. Right. That's good. I like that. I like your comments on Roslovic too. I think uh, I don't pretend to be one of these people that know everything, but uh, I remember watching him in college and I had Moose season tickets for the first two years. And I swear he, I think I even mentioned this when I chatted with Roddy and Daniel, but he is one of the best passers on the team. Like so smooth, the way that he skates, the way that he passes, um, the little gaps and holes that he finds to thread a, a puck in there. I mean, it's only going to grow. I mean, he's probably playing, you know, slightly reserved. But, um, yeah, for we've seen the ceiling that he has at those lower levels, and you know what he's capable of. So uh, I like your comments on him. He's definitely going to be uh, a fun one to watch. I'm, I'm excited about him too. So Yeah, he uh, – he... I, I don't use this word very often, but if I could describe him in one word, I would say prolific. I think he's going to 
he's going to open some eyes next season, much like, you know, guys like Christian Veselainen once they arrive. Um, we'll see what happens with the defense because I, I definitely will probably draw my eyes out if they put Myers on the second pairing left spot. Um, Lord knows I, <laughs> I have enough aneurysms watching Tyler Myers <laughs> on yeah. his natural spot on the third pairing as is. So the defense is probably the biggest sore spot that the Jets need to figure out. But uh, I mean, yeah. they, you know, Pittsburgh has a worse blue line core and they, they have done pretty okay. So we'll see what happens. But uh, overall, I, I've, I'm liking next season. It should be a fun one. Yeah, I, I agree. And uh, I think maybe what they should do is just move Buff to forward. And then, <laughs> then Myers can stay on the right side. Right. No, no, make sure out your one-time option on the power play. There we go. I always like to joke around that uh, uh, Myers, they're, they're not just putting him on the left side. He's actually learning to shoot left-handed too. That's, that's, <laughs> that's the option. They're not just moving to play offside. He's going to be on his right side. It's just he's swi- switching-handedness. That'll be way better. So, <laughs> Anyhow, Harrison, we went uh, really, really long here. I'm um, probably get Brian to edit a little bit of this. and uh, But thanks so much for doing this. It was uh, a lot of fun. And we'll definitely have you on as uh, the season goes. Maybe you could do some of your recaps uh, on the podcast too. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. All right. Take care, Harrison. Have a good one. Bye-bye. And welcome back to Jet Centric. It's Chris here, and I'm here with Luke. Luke is uh, one of the partners of Evolving Wild and co-creator of Evol- EvolvingHockey.com and also contributor for Hockey Graphs. Uh, thanks for joining us tonight, Luke. Yeah, thanks for having me. Right on. Uh, we're glad to have you. So you have, uh, you're you contributing uh, to a website, your own website, about uh, some, as we call them, fancy stats. I'm uh, wondering if you could tell us a little bit about uh, what kind of stat work you do um, as far as, I think it's uh, Minnesota wild-based, but it's up to you. Uh, sorry. It's up. Anyway, let's try that again. Let me try, Let me talk. Uh, <laughs> we, they can edit. Uh, AJ will edit this out for us so we can start again. Okay, no worry. All right. <clears throat> I've been, the last couple of days, my brain has just not been working. I've been training a guy. <laughs> And it's just been just like, oh, anyway, so we'll, we'll no, go No, it's again. all good. It's all good. No worries. Right on, man. And welcome back to Jet Centric. It's Chris here, and I'm here with Luke of Evolving Wild. Uh, he is the co-creator of the Evolving Wild, or EvolvingHockey.com, and a contributor at Hockey Graphs. Thanks for uh, joining us, Luke. Yeah, thanks for having me. Right on. So you're a creator of a website uh, that deals in fancy stats. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so it's uh, it's evolving-hockey.com. It's just kind of a project that um, my brother Josh and I started over the summer. Um, Just mainly kind of the genesis of it was we had been working on this goals above replacement model or war model kind of thing for a bit for a long time. Probably it's about a year now. And we got to a point where we were pretty much done with it and wanted people to have access. So that was kind of the main, you know, I guess, motivation to do it, but then also to make the model, we have to, we had to make a whole bunch of other stats that are pretty similar to what you can find on Corsica, just, just the way it, it, it works. So we figured had a, well, we had a lot of interest um, from people and we figured that like 
people might want to really, you know, could enjoy looking at the numbers. So it was kind of a project to just put it all um, on a website and uh, make it public for people to play around with. So it's been a, yeah, it's been a, a project, but it's been a, we're, we're getting close to being done here. So it's, it's been pretty cool to work on it. Yeah. Oh, that sounds fantastic. And uh, you were mentioning off air, uh, you, you didn't start as uh, as hockey guys, you and your brother. So tell us a little bit about, about that, if you would. Yeah, so I'm actually uh, mostly was a baseball fan growing up. So, um, you know, I played baseball. Both my brother and I played baseball. Um, we didn't really ever get into hockey that much. But basically, once I got out of college, um, just kind of was looking for something to do. And the Twins were awful. So I just, you know, we kind of both like, well, well, hey, what's this team uh, – wild my dad is a big um he's really big into hockey he's played like his whole life so he can we kind of watch some games with him and then um just being baseball fans you know we uh were both really big into the number side of it just the baseball statistics and so when we first basically right when i first started watching like after i kind of got the rules down and everything i was like oh i wonder what the numbers you know what kind of stats they have i think that was like maybe during the lockout season i think so it was before like the, you know, the summer of analytics, the 2014, whatever, where everybody got hired. So there was still a lot of stuff going on and pretty much just the numbers side of it just kind of developed right alongside just watching hockey. Like it, it all kind of went hand in hand. So that's just, it's yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> that's really cool because there's such a, a, uh, a dividing line between old school hockey and uh, new school fans or, or the analytic side and the compromise side, which sees both sides. So it's really neat to hear somebody that's a, a new fan that took it that way right off the bat. And I think that's, that's awesome. I think that that's uh, a different, a different way to look at it. I think that's fantastic. And it doesn't change your enjoyment of the game. I'm going to assume. No, it's, I mean, honestly, for me, it's like kind of one of the motivations to kind of, try to build some of these statistics is like, I just want to know who's good. <laughs> you know, it's like, cause it's, it's, it can be really hard. And just coming from baseball, like, like the war models that they developed and other type of statistics they had kind of, they, that you, you would see players that would be kind of up at the top of these like more advanced metrics. And you'd kind of be like, that would kind of inform how you would watch the game. And so that's for me, that's how it's always been is kind of taking some of these methods that, um, you know, a lot of people have done in the past and who got hired or maybe aren't working in it anymore and kind of trying to get them up to speed or, or refresh them kind of a little bit. And you can kind of as you're making the numbers, you can as you watch the game, it kind of can inform you as like, well, this specific thing says this player is really good. I'm going to watch him see why that might be, you know, mm-hmm. and, it, and you kind of like in they both inform like you know, the other one, it kind of just goes totally hand in hand. So it's, it's a, it's, it, it's just another aspect of kind of enjoyment with hockey for me. It's like not just watching, but watching and, you know, like kind of looking at the numbers is just something I've always sure. liked. Yeah. Yeah. We had a conversation on an episode not long ago about how most of the people that are in my kind of group where I'm, I've been watching hockey for 35 years, yeah. uh, but I, pre- I appreciate the stats side of it. And my big thing is I like to see the stats back up my eye test. 
Yeah, that's, oh, exactly. that's what I like. And I, you know, I want to see, oh, is, you know, is Jacob Truba really as good as I think he is? And then you go see, well, yeah, he really is that good. In fact, he might even be better, right? And I think yeah. that that helps your enjoyment of the game, like you're saying, totally. Yeah. Or like with, I mean, the Jets have some fun players like Perot, especially who's kind of like a, you know, fancy stats darling. But then also like with some of the newer methods that are coming out, like Manny on Corsica has the shooting He's got a part of his war model that's a shooting gar or gold mm-hmm. replacement. And, like, you see Liney up there just – and it's like, well, yeah, that makes sense because, you know, <laughs> you know, he can just score from wherever it seems like that shot is just wicked. So, you know, it's kind of fun to kind of – to see some of those players and how – and, like, I think that he's probably going to rank really high and then they do and it's kind of, you know. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't match up like that, though, and that's where it gets kind of interesting, you know, so – it does create a lot of conversation, right? And, oh, uh, you know, what, <laughs> water cool com- cooler conversations with guys that don't follow stats and talk about the Ben Sherrats uh, of the world and how great they are. And there's nothing <laughs> to back that up, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I agree. I think it's fantastic. I'm not super into it. And, uh, but we've had uh, Garrett Hole is, uh, is a part of kind of in our community we've had him on the podcast oh, and yeah. he's another guy that is is big into that and uh, we like to use Garrett for uh, backup on the Twitter machine when we need proof that somebody's pretty good or <laughs> or something like that you know oh yeah definitely well he was <laughs> yeah I mean he was one of the first like big like fall is just his writing on hockey graph hockey graphs just he wrote a lot of great articles there and you know it was kind of in, involved in like us getting you know kind of kind of becoming contributors there so like yeah yeah Garrett's a great and I I do have to say I miss his Jets you know takes now that he uh is a little bit has to be a little bit more you know <laughs> can't really be spouting true. Off on Twitter anymore but you know yeah yeah he had a he had a couple of political politically correct answers when I interviewed him a couple of weeks back but uh, we got oh, a little sure. bit out of him. It was it was nice. It was good. Yeah. He's always good to us. So we, so we like that. Yeah. So um, let's let's talk because this is going to be more like a. I think we're going to end up with a central division preview uh, from for our listeners, so they know what we're kind of going at here. So I think this is going to be the first first one. Will be the wild. Okay. What did you see? What did you see from the wild last year? Maybe not even fancy stats wise. What was their expectation last year? How did the season play out? Those sorts of things. Well, I think. Um... I mean, honestly, in my opinion, I think the coming out of the 16-17, like the 2016-17 season, like that was, in my opinion, that's probably the best team the Wild they've ever had. And they're probably one of the better teams of the last, like, you know, 10 years, 11, 15, whatever years. I mean, that team was kind of uh, really good. And so I think the expectations were really high for last year. And um, pretty much they didn't really meet those. Um but I think that a lot of the storylines that are coming out now is that there were a lot of injuries, you know, and then in the playoffs, obviously the, they were missing Suter against the Jets. I mean, the Jets were probably, I mean, they were one of the best teams in the league last year. So it's like, that's a hard series anyway, but um, they had a lot of players who were injured. So, I mean, they got what, like, a, I think it was like 101 or 102 points last year, which is, I mean, you know, a hundred point season and they made the playoffs. So I think it was still a good year, but um, you know, it was kind of, uh, there were some players who really kind of, uh, you know, like stall and, and Zucker and, um, and Granlin to an extent, but, um, 
you know, mostly stall in terms of just an individual player performance, like from what the national media might know. But I think, um, you know, I mean, it was, I, I think most people would say it was probably disappointing, but I thought, I mean, they had a good season. It's just, it didn't, you know, it wasn't enough, but the only one team really ever is it enough for. So, you know, <laughs> that's right. That's right. I wasn't going to ask, but you, you uh, made a little uh, thing in my memory here about Eric Stahl season last year. Um, I've always been kind of not unaware of him. I've always thought he's just really, really good. And then he had a couple of down seasons last couple of years in Carolina. What, what, what was that? That was unexpected, right? Last year. Like, let's yeah. be honest. Well, I think that like kind of, um, you know, that's something where you can kind of look at the underlying, like just shot kind of metrics, like Corsi or whatever. And like, he's always been a really um, big play driver. So he drives offense mm-hmm. in a big kind of way. And that's been like throughout his whole career. Um, and so I think it was, there was just a kind of combination with, um, you know, the, his linemates last year, like, I think, um, like, uh, let me just quick, let me see who he played with exactly right now. Let me just, yeah. But I mean, for the most part, um, yeah, he kind of was all throughout the lineup, but like he, yeah, he he played a lot with Zucker, um, and, and, uh, And I think that, um, he, he just had, there was something about playing with Zucker and, um, and Granlin too, to some extent, but mostly Zucker and Nino. I mean, that line was really, really good to start the season. So he kind of just, you know, with a little bit of shooting percentage luck is going to, you know, put up 43 right. goals or whatever. But I think that um, he, yeah, he is a really, really low key kind of like flies under the radar player. But I mean, when, cause as evidenced by his contract, I mean, it's only like three and a half million when he signed it. And I think that was, uh, um, you know, very, undervalued player at the time and Stahl's always been really really good offensively it's just in my opinion his defensive game has been pretty weak but that's kind of what you get with some of the better offensive talents Mm. in the league so I mean in the just watching him in the preseason this year he's looked really good still uh, I mean he's, he's getting older and a lot of the big questions that you hear a lot of the if you ever if you listen to any of the playoff or like the regular season like 18 19 previews every single national media organization is just like can stall do it again so it gets a little bit like it's just a funny thing because it's like well he's probably not going to score 43 goals again but i mean Mm -hmm. he'll i mean him getting to 30 wouldn't i don't think that's out of the realm of possibility at at all he's been playing with zucker and granlin on a line in the preseason yeah so i i I just think that's a you know I, i don't see any reason why he takes like a significant like really big step back i would think it's not as like last year but it'll probably be similar you know not quite as good but you know still solid yeah i, I mean I'll, i always root for that guy and he's always been really good i just i think like i said those last couple of years in carolina really were um oh absolutely. kind of gave everybody a different perspective of him right he's an yeah, olympian well, and and all those sorts of things so it's not like he's you know a surprise so yeah well and i think the, his time at the rangers they moved him to like the wing and played him on like the third line wing right so i forgot like, about that too yeah yeah it's like that really also probably tank because he i mean he could have i mean based on like from what I have seen, like he probably was at that time, like a $5 million player more like it. Um, But it's just what happens when you play for like a team like Carolina and you don't get the exposure and then you get buried by some 
you know, for some reason, right. it's just it was <laughs> kind of unfortunate, fortunate for the wild, unfortunate for stall. But, you know, I mean, sure. I think that people are kind of starting to see that, oh, well, you know, maybe those uh, early, you know, those Carolina seasons weren't, you know, just kind of a flash in the pan. Sure. What um, so let's move on to this year. If you could give me a little. Uh, what what the what the wild have done with the off season and uh, if they've lost anybody who they've added and how those those are significant yeah so it's been kind of a funny off season honestly um they didn't really do much like they have basically the same top nine forward group and top four defensemen group they kind of just did a little shuffle around on their bottom lines um basically they just lost like winnick uh, Daniel Winnick, like, I mean, Chris Stewart was gone in the season, but like Matt Cullen didn't resign. Tyler Ennis didn't resign or they bought him out. So basically their whole bottom, bottom line plus is just been just kind of turned over and they picked up like Eric fair and they signed JT Brown and Matt Reed. And uh, I'm trying to think of another, they had a couple minor league players in there. Um, so they basically just replaced their fourth line and then they have like Jordan Greenway. Um, he, you know, he was in the playoffs last year against the jets and mm-hmm. um, he's been playing a third line role with uh, Eric Sinek and coil in the preseason, which seems like that's what they're going to try to go with. So mostly, I mean, they didn't really do hardly anything other than just kind of turn over their depth guys and um, uh, sign Dumba and Zucker. And, and cause it was just uh, Fenton, it, it sounded like they were, they wanted to really make a big move, but, um, you know, seemed like most teams kind of were aware of that and they were basically just low balling on every player. So they didn't end up trading anyone and they just are basically coming back into the season this season with like pretty much the exact same team. Um, just hopefully with, uh, Spurgeon and Niederreiter and Coyle being, uh, not injured kind of for the whole season. So yeah, that's just a few. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, sorry. I'm done. <laughs> so, yeah, if you have those three guys healthy and you turn that fourth line over into the guys that, that you mentioned, I mean, that sounds like, you know, you're at least going to stick around next year. There's not probably going to be a fall off. And which brings me to the key question, which uh, you're talking about the, the season two years ago and then last season is the Devin Dubnik. I mean, it's the wild card, right? He's yeah. can be one of the best goaltenders in the league, and he clearly – can make you a president's trophy candidate or a first round exit. Yeah. Goalie, right? Yeah. It's and that, honestly, I think that that's basically what the season's going to, I mean, not exactly going to come down to, but like the wilds are, they've consistently been for the last probably three or four years, like one of the best defensive teams in the league, like from a skating standpoint, like just from some of the metrics, like I, I personally think expected goals is probably one of the best things for defense just because the, it removes the goalies for all players. So um, from an expected goal standpoint, the wild have been maybe the strongest defensive team in the league, probably the strongest defensive team in the league. And so Dubnik has it pretty easy back there. So it's um, I mean, relative to the rest of the team. So it's, it, it really is going to kind of come down, I think to how well he can, he can play. Cause if he plays, I mean, this is the same with any team, but I think for the wild, um, just because they are such a strong defensive team that, um, you know, they could really leverage that if Dubnik can kind of, you know, really up his game a little bit. I mean, at the same time, I think that they, you know, obviously need to be generating more offense, but like they don't have, um, you know, the super high end 
like ultra offense play like those kind of players they have a lot more just really well-rounded players but nobody you know so that's kind of what you're hoping for is that Dubnik can basically just give you you know about league average save percentage I mean relative to the shots he sees so yeah Dubnik's going to be a big factor for sure so the the wild are more like almost like uh, what we consider more an old school roll four lines, uh, solid defense and, and good goaltending style. Right. And maybe that's not old school. That might, might not be the best way to put it, but you kind of have like three second lines and, and a, and a fourth line. Right. Is that yeah. No, totally. Yeah. I think that's definitely fair. It's funny. Cause like just in some of the, um, just the work that we've done, it's, it, it's funny with the, like the war models that are available right now, like the wild, they just don't have like a lot of bad players. They don't really have that like super top end, like Shifley or McDavid or, you know, like, uh, you know, like one, like Hall or one of those real high end players, but their entire team is really not like, they don't really have that, like a a terrible skater, like a lot of teams do, you know? So Mm -hmm. overall, I think the strength of their roster is, if you took an average of their roster, it's, it's actually really high. It's just, they don't have that, you know, that game tra- you know, game breaker kind of player, you know, big elite talent or whatever. Yeah. Sure. Like, you know, yeah. and that's like, that's been kind of a big criticism from a lot of people is that they don't have like, you know, like a Kucherov or a Liney or a, you know, Matthews or, or McDavid, the like game somebody, breaker, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. McKinnon kind of one of those guys who like, the writers might say could just win at will, you know, kind of they put the mm-hmm. team on their back. You know, it's mostly they just have a lot of really, really well-rounded players. Um, and so it's an interesting from a team construction team construction standpoint. I think the Wild are one of the more they're. I mean, I mean, most people think they're pretty boring to watch, but it's it's just kind of funny because like they just have a they're a really solid all around team, and to see kind of how that works when compared to a team like, you know, Philly where they have, or, or the avalanche where the avalanche just have like one of the best top lines in the league and then like nothing, you know? Yeah. And that, and so it's an interesting thing to look at with, with what's going to be more successful is a more overall balanced team more successful or is just stacking your top line like Dallas used to do, or like Colorado is going to do this year or did last year, you know, is that going to be more successful? So, yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's great. Like when you mentioned those guys that they signed, you know, JT Brown and that, like that, those seem like really good hockey players. I don't, I, you know, as the Jets have come back and I stopped playing video games, I don't have as much, I don't have as much of a knowledge of other teams players as I used to. I used to know every player on every team. Now I kind of mostly Jets focused, but when you rifle off those three, four guys that are, you know, fourth liners, it's like, those seem like, you know, Matt Reed, I think was a 20 something goal scorer a couple of years ago. Yeah, I think, uh, like, you know, look, yeah, I mean, looking at a lot of the players, it's not like they're going out and signing like, you know, kind of like, um, I don't know, like Lucas Sabiza, you know, the Islanders just signed him like he's just looks terrible from a lot mm-hmm. of a lot of metrics. Yeah. And, um, you know, Cody McLeod is another type of player kind of grinder. And like the wild, they honestly they didn't like the really only kind of sore spot <laughs> they had was Chris Stewart. He's pretty bad. But like other than that, a lot of their like fourth line players like they're signing pretty much just like really solid like you know fourth line players and they're not making a lot of money but they're 
better than the players that other teams might have in those positions. So, you know, it is a really, um, it's just an interesting kind of way they approach it is they're very conservative, you know, in the way that they kind of uh, their, the team construction is right now. So. So I guess there would be one exception and one elephant in the room, maybe uh, to that. And that would be something that I would have to talk about is, is Matt Hendricks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just forgot. Yeah. About, I forgot about that when I was, and I was like, Oh yeah, they did sign him. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's, we'll see what happens there. I'm not sure. seems like, you know, Bruce Boudreaux is really funny and he's just such a silly guy and he loves those kind of players. Um, just like the, you know, AHL, like potential, like fourth line kind of grinder or character guys. Like he just loves having a couple of those guys on the team. So I think Hendricks kind of like, I'm not really that familiar with him other than seeing the wild play the jets and just what I saw when he played, you know, for the jets, but um, it, it'll be a interesting. I think there's going to be a little bit of a, a you know, kind of, a rotisserie down at the bottom where they're kind of maybe calling people up or whatever. Cause they got a lot of people they can kind of, you know, put in, in the fourth line and, or send down to Iowa or the AHL. So yeah, it'll be interesting. <laughs> well, we don't need to go too much more into that. It's a, it's a <laughs> sort of a sore spot for some of us here. So, uh, but so just quickly, what do you see, uh, see this year from the wild? Um, I mean, I think they're a playoff team again. I mean, mm-hmm. they, uh, but it's like, I think like Winnipeg and Nashville are clearly, in my opinion, I mean, we did up some point projections a couple, like a week ago, just running some models, um, kind of like what Korska and uh, Moneybuck did. Um, and we had the wild actually like sixth in the league, uh, which I felt is actually pretty high, but that was like, that's just where they came out at. Um, and they were just right behind. Um, it was like, it was like Tampa Bay, Pittsburgh, Boston, and then Winnipeg, Nashville, and the wild. So like, wow. It And then money puck has them at the wild at like 10th. And then Korska had them at like right in the middle, like 15th or 14th in the league. So I think that honestly, I think Winnipeg and Nashville are the clear favorites in the central. And then if one of Minnesota, Dallas, or St. Louis, was in that next spot, it wouldn't really surprise me that much. Um, I think Colorado's pretty uh, – I mean, they're beyond that first line and a couple defensemen, they're pretty weak. And um, then Chicago's going to just be a garbage – I mean, they're just so terrible. So, yeah, um, yeah I mean, I think that they're definitely going to be either like third, um, third in the central or maybe, maybe first wild card. Um, and then, you know, just – if that's the case, hope they don't draw the Jets again. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> uh, the Jets are always such a hard, uh, hard matchup for the Wild, just because the Jets have always been so much so big. So I think the Wild have always had kind of a tough time playing against the, you know, the size of 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 the Jets, just because the Wild have a lot of smaller players and. You know, like Spurgeon just gets tossed around, you know, Granlin too. And yeah, so so I think that's kind of my, you know, hope is just like, I mean, as a fan, you know. Um, yeah. They basically like are close to around, uh, you know, 90, 98 points maybe. And, you know, kind of make it in the playoffs and hope that Dubnik catches fire and they can make a run. That's basically what I think, you know, fans 
could be hoping for in in Minnesota. Well, that's you know, I I don't you know I don't disagree. I think St. Louis is going to make a jump, and Dallas is always a question mark because they could be so good, and and, and you wonder. But you know, uh, I anytime you got uh, Dubnik and Net, <laughs> you probably have a chance. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and it's great. It's good for the rivalry. If both of our teams are good, I think that's something that uh, both sides are trying to promote. Um, that oh, there's yeah. a rivalry there, and uh, and we love well, it. The funny thing with the Jets fans is, like, I personally, I just, like, love the Jets. Like, I have a hard time, like, <laughs> getting into the rivalry, like, about it, because I just have always really liked the Jets, because it's, like, you know, it's kind of like Winnipeg. I feel like kind of a shared experience being in the middle of the country, Everybody forgets yeah. about being in the middle of the country. I feel kind of like a, you know, common bond or a link with Winnipeg fans. Cause it's like, everybody forgets about Minnesota right in the middle here too. So sure. it's just kind of a, and I mean, you know, you guys do have like Wheeler and Bufflin and I just like, you know, some good, really good Minnesota players. So like, yeah. I love, you know, and I just have always really liked Wheeler. So it's, it's kind of funny. Whereas like the avalanche, I just like, there's no love lost there. It's just a, you know, sure. it's yeah, they, yeah, that's a whole other thing, but yeah, it is. I really like seeing the jets, um, you know, be good, you know, and it does make for fun games. Def, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, I know a couple buddies went down uh, for the weekend for the jets game and the, and the Minnesota miracle. Uh, so luckily, oh, yeah luckily they got to see the miracle because that Jets game was a big pile of horse crap that night they mailed it in so luckily they got to see one of the best NFL football games of all time so yeah that was nuts that was nuts. <laughs> yeah shout it's out not, to Steve Ren and Daniel game, but that game was <laughs> yeah crazy. that's right that's crazy uh so that's awesome that's all the time we have uh Luke thank you so much go ahead and uh promote whatever you need to promote your website your Twitter handle all that stuff uh surprisingly people do listen to us so you might gain some follows and gain some uh, traction oh I'm sure well thank you yeah thanks thanks again for having me so you can um find me I'm Luke and my brother Josh we run at evolving wild on Twitter um we have a website which is uh, evolving-hockey.com which is basically just a lot of different numbers and stats and then um, we also to support the website we have a patreon so you can go to patreon.com slash evolving hockey and that's uh the tab pin tweet in our uh on on twitter so if if you can't find it just go to our twitter page and it's the pin tweet and uh you know just anything helps just with the server costs and just the work that you know to put in there appreciate all help and hoping to uh maybe potentially add some more fancier features that we might kind of like uh Micah Blake McCurdy does with his on hockey biz where you can kind of subscribe and get some more advanced features, but that would take a little bit to add. So yeah, but those are, yeah. And then, um, and then we write um, every now and then just some pieces for uh, hockey graphs, just when we feel like writing, I'm (laughs) currently have a lot of things in the pipeline that uh, we both need to kind of get done, but that our web doing the website is kind of taking precedent over that. So yeah. Right on, man. You guys are awesome. You got it going on there and uh, we look forward to uh, all your stuff on Twitter and, and all that. So keep it up. Good luck uh, to your team this year and good luck to the website. That's awesome that you guys are working so hard on something like that. So we'd like to see you guys uh, succeed. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. Right on Luke. We appreciate it, man. We'll talk to you again. I hope uh, at some point. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Have a good one. Yeah. Thank you. You too. Right on. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye.